Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian. Over at Sir Lucian Gaming, how is it going on this wonderful free RPG day? Wah, 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 wah. Must be the best day oh, ever, really. Come day. on. Free so RPGs? There's so. nothing better than free RPGs. I love buying RPGs, and you get a free <laughs> even just, it's just like, it's crazy. This world. <laughs> this world. What do we, where do we crazy. even live? What's Thank you, on? 2020, for something. Jesus, you took everything else from us. <laughs> <laughs> that's my bitterness um, of, it's in our show notes, but that's my bitterness of, I've been thinking about Gen Cons coming up and all the things I'm going to miss, like getting to meet and hang out with Jordan for a week. And oh. I know, I Gen Con, uh, I'm still bummed about that. Because like I was yeah. going to hit up Gen Con this year and I was going to try and make uh, PAX Unplugged. Yeah. Um, I was going to see if I could make it happen. And I wanted to, uh, and the Nerd Immersion, or Nerd Immersion, the uh, Nerdarchy Con was this Halloween. Yeah. And was that was in Pennsylvania. And I was really excited D &D to go to that Live. too. D&D Live. Uh, D&D Live, uh, which I don't think streamers were going to get invited to regardless. But mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah. I think Wizards of the Coast is cutting ties with like regular streamer people. Um, done. Because, uh of the pro jareds and yeah, the yeah. holly conrads themselves and in trouble the, yes. yeah and i think they're just like well hmm, maybe maybe, maybe we just stick to celebrities and i don't know if uh if i don't know it's kind of weird it's it's bittersweet to not mm -hmm. be as a part of the community as we once were um mm -hmm. or i shouldn't just not recognize but the community is still there and it is very strong and they are making some really amazing stuff case in point uh um uh, Conowich, uh, why can't I think of her first name? Uh, you're Mead thinking is. of her Twitter name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she, yes. uh, we did the D and D live stream thing that she did, which was really fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, I forget what it was called, but that was a lot of fun. I was on there as a panel and, uh, mm -hmm. we had a good time with that. It was really good. So the community is live and strong. Uh, indoor adventure. Yes. Thank you for my awesome wall tiles behind me. I <laughs> have been trying to create hit my microphone. I've been trying to create the gamer space and I got some sound dampening uh, hexagons and I plotted them out and I'm going to get some different colored ones, I think, and try to mix and match them. Lucian says I should do the whole wall as a hex grid uh, mm -hmm. with these sound absorbing hexagon tiles. So I could, I don't know. That do matches a hex stuff. crawl campaign that yeah. is running. Could and be like yeah. uh, the island, your hot springs island hex crawl. Yeah. And then it follows, you only draw stuff on there when your players get to it. So then we could watch yeah. through D&D &D Saturday morning shows, the progress of... <laughs> Have like a little boat, like cut yeah. out a felt or something and I move it yeah, along. Yeah, and you could just, a little fun. magnet that somehow sticks to everything or a little sticker yes. that you can move around. Yes, Celeste Conowich. I don't know why I spaced on her Celeste. name. Thank you, Jancy. I was trying to help you, but um, it wasn't coming to my mind. Yeah, she's a really great person. Um, so Fun in the news, me. it is yeah. free RPG day. Uh, if your local store, you can go to freerpgday.com and search to see if your friendly local gaming store is participating. If mm -hmm. they are, uh, there is a bunch of really fun stuff you can get. Like, uh, there's, there's, well, let's just go down the list. Uh, there's an anthology of indie RPGs by ninth level games. So they combined a whole bunch of different like indie RPGs. And I think you can get a whole bunch of those. Um, and they're probably not going to let you have all of these. You have to choose like my store is like, please take two. And then I think if you buy something, they'll let you take another one kind of a thing. 
Sure. Um, there is Genesis Keyforge by Fantasy Flight Games. They're making really good stuff. Mm. Uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics has a uh, starter pack awesome. adventure. Um, Magpie Games, we're, we're a big fan. Uh, Root yes. RPG. I hear that's really good. That's uh, really good. Paizo and uh, Paizo's doing Pathfinder and Starfinder stuff. Uh, Kids on Bikes doing a thing. Kids with Brooms just came out. Kids I on Brooms. Um, and so I think the Kids on Bikes uh, supplement is going to have some some witchy stuff in it. Last year, they did an adventure for their teens in space, which was really fun. So this year, I think mm. it's going to be uh, you start as Kids on Bikes and then you discover magic or something. Overlight. Uh, Warlock Tiles by WizKids. They're going to have an exclusive item, like a little miniature mm -hmm. uh, mini or something that you can get. Get Overlight if you can. If your yeah. group is giving you that book, I, I did the well, Kickstarter for Well, it's not the whole book. That, it's like a it's starter. Awesome. Like, these are all just, like, intros the, to it. Yeah, but it's really great. And, um, and a lot of people, this is a, a collectible day, um, especially mm -hmm. the, the Goodman Games Dungeon Crawl Classics, yeah. because every year the adventure and the cover is slightly different. And so people are like, oh, and so they've been collecting them throughout the years. It's really fun. Mm -hmm. um, and the, yeah, the new adventure and same with Kids on Bikes. It's a new adventure every year and it's kind of fun to, to grab stuff. Uh, but yeah, and Pathfinder, Starfinder, new adventure there. L lots of fun, cool stuff. I guess there's some minis, uh, miniature game, uh, how to paint cool. books and stuff like that. So I'm I'm immediately going. My my uh, game store opens at noon, and that is in two hours. So after this show, I'm packing up my family. We're gonna put our face masks on and go to Free RPG Day, and I'm excited because uh, it's just fun. And I haven't been to the game store in a long time because of the virus. So it'll be fun to like. Yeah, go check I it have out. not been since. So. Yeah, since they shut it down. I have, yeah, I've been buying everything online, unfortunately. But I was sad because uh, this and. I was excited for this, and I'm also excited for DCC Day, which mm -hmm. was earlier, uh, in a couple months ago. And mm -hmm. I called this same store, and I'm like, you're participating in Free RPG Day? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, well, why don't you participate in DCC Days? And they're like, what's that? And I had to explain Dungeon mm -hmm. Crawl Classics to them. And I'm like, literally the same company, Goodman Games, started Free RPG Day. Like, you already are working with them. Why aren't you mm -hmm. just doing this? And they're like, oh, I don't know. Um, but then the other one was doing it, so I went to go get stuff, and they were not participating, even though they had the the books and stuff. And I was like, uh. "Well, so. you know, the dream will be when when Jordan and Lucian hit that jackpot, and we build yeah. our own game store, yeah, our own brick and mortar game store. We'll do it right. We'll yeah. do RPG Day. We'll do DCC Day. Free comic book day. Free everything. <laughs> we'll have booths in the back where you can play and stream your games. Yes. It'll be awesome. And yeah, we'll have streaming setups for it. Yeah, it'll be it'll be perfect. Yeah. Um. So that's that's like my exciting news. I was really excited. Um. Yeah. I I put this in our notes solution about running older adventures. I think I wrote that when <laughs> I didn't know what we were going to talk about, but now we have a lot of stuff to talk about. So sure. maybe I'll move that to, uh, when I talk about my games. How about that? All right. Um, well, while you're so, doing that, then yeah. yeah, a couple of things that we saw come out on Twitter where we first kind of saw it. And then if you watch the Dragon Plus video, which we'll talk about here in a second, mm -hmm. they mention it. They're starting to get it out there. If you go over to uh, Hasbro Pulse and put out uh, a new board game. So we saw a new board game pop out that was a Dungeons and Dragons board game um, and kind of like an introductory to playing D and D type stuff, even if you're not necessarily playing, you know, fifth edition standard RPG, but they always like to have a board game out that kind of helps as like a, maybe a starter step to maybe get people to thinking about playing a, a role playing game, because it's always, 
board games, you can be a little bit more um, concise on the rules. You can you can scale it down to the amount of time that you want it to be. So maybe you want it to be an hour session or a 45 minute session. You want four to six players and you don't want to have to put too much stress on people setting it up. So board games have always been a great way to use as a, a way to introduce and get people to think about more complex games or, or the RPG tabletop games and stuff. So they got a new adventure game out. looks pretty fun. looks high quality. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't mind trying it out at some point. I was hoping, like, again, this would have been something that I would have probably tracked down at Gen Con and would have tried out if I could find it, if somebody had it at a table or something. Yeah. Just to see the, the feel of it, get to play it a little bit. Um, I like all things Dungeons & Dragons, so that was cool. But they also had mentioned, not only did they put that out, but for those of you that are uh, bronies or fans of uh, uh, My Little Pony, they also put out these cutie marks and dragons figures which were five different uh my little ponies based off of some of the classes and dungeons and dragons that you could also pick up from hasbro so a couple of things that hasbro doing their time we always talk about how hasbro is the overall company and they're always asking their divisions to work together so that's why we get the crossover from magic the gathering and dungeons and dragons so much because the company owns both and this is you know hasbro is a toy company hasbro is a they make board games and things like that. They make stuff for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it seems like a natural tie-in for them to have something out on the market right now with Dungeons & Dragons because it's just super popular. And it really is, we should be appealing to the kids. I think right now, 5th edition and all the stuff that we've been doing really appeals more to the adults and the the 20s and 30s and people coming back who hadn't played since college and all this. But it, I wouldn't say that all the stuff they've been putting out is enticing to a 14 or 15-year-old as much, right? Because it's all... I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe I just don't, you know. Well, uh, yeah, 14 and 15 year olds aren't streaming and they don't have, you know, audiences like that. So you're watching people of a similar age get excited about D&D because we're in that circle. But um, no, like those, uh, you know, there were lots of D&D clubs at uh, the schools that my wife worked at and things like that. Mm, Like a lot of the kids are actually really interested in the kids are all right, you know? So So uh, where's the advertising coming for them? I wonder where they're seeing it then. Are they, I don't know. We're not the demographic. Yeah, we're probably not getting those up? advertisements. Were they watching, I, you know, um, uh, Stranger Things? Watching, <laughs> well, I bet they're watching uh, Critical Role and things like that. And it, it's going to so. be like All word right. of mouth like it was back in the day. So I think the teenagers uh, yeah. like Critical Role. All right. I bet they do. I'll go with that. But yeah, this uh, board game Adventure Begins is, mm-hmm. uh, again, another attempt by Wizards of the Coast to make Dungeons & Dragons uh, a DM-less system but still play Dungeons and Dragons. So everyone in the game can have their character, but at the same time, uh, how do you how do you fight monsters and how do you do this? And I have uh, some of the games over there that they've attempted this with the fourth edition. So they took kind mm-hmm. of the mechanics of fourth edition and simplified it down. And it's uh, the Legend of Drist and Castle Ravenloft, Wrath of a Shardalon. Yeah, those keep stuff. Candle, yep, they did those were the, Annihilation. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Those were the same things. And you uh, and I've played those so I can talk about those. But yeah, you have your character and you kind of like walk through. And if you encounter a monster, everybody at the table kind of controls the monster based on uh, its cards. And if it's on this situation or if it's next to somebody, you follow the plan of the card for that monster. So it's kind of like like everybody's trying to win. But uh, you're also the monsters trying to kill your own players and, and things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. this game seemed very similar. I don't know if you watched the how to play, 
but no, I did not. Yet. Okay. Yeah. No. So you have a deck of cards and mm-hmm. you, uh, when you enter into an area like, Oh, we're in a city or something. All of your characters are there. And as they move, they can collect experience by fighting different monsters. But when you find a monster, you flip open a card and then the, the person whose turn it was to be the DM in the DM list system flips over the card and they can read through, okay, this monster does X, Y, and Z. If I roll a die that either tells me what it does or if the situation presents itself, like it always attacks to its left or something. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. And, but at the very end of this, all four of you attack the main monster, which is like a dragon or a beholder or something like that. They have different scenarios you can play. Mm-hmm. And I imagine a board game like this will go further with expansions of here's new characters you can play. Here's new this, because the, uh, the Legend of Drist and the Castle Ravenloft, the cool thing about those is I could take my characters from Castle Ravenloft and play them in the Drist scenarios, which were kind of fun. Uh, so yeah, yeah. yeah, it looks like I can see like a, a dwarf with a battle axe. Yeah. It looks like there's somebody with a bow, probably a mage of some sort. I can't quite yeah. tell what the third There is, is. Uh, a human sorcerer. There is ah, a sorcerer. red dragonborn rogue. There okay. is a dwarf fighter and an elf bard. Those are the go. four characters you can choose from. Um, all of the monsters have hit points. As they get hit, you lower it down. Uh, the DM has a, uh, well, the DM and the DM list game because it rotates of who's actually the DM. But uh, they have a D10 that they roll for all of their stuff where you have a D20 to roll for all your character and stuff. No, it looks fun. I think it's a good way to introduce, uh, because it's it's like 10 to 14, I think, is the age group. And that's mm-hmm. a perfect group to be like, hey, uh, I don't know. Like, you like board games. Let's try this one. And uh, then as we grow, as you get bored of this game, it's like, oh, actually, we can take that elf bard and you could build it in D&D 5e and things like that. So, um, yeah, yeah. And you don't have such a linear adventure and you can have some more dynamics yes. to it. There's a game ready to accept you yeah. to say, yeah, now so, you want to really see what some, you know, what some really good stuff is. And I will apologize because if you go to Hasbro Pro, like I just did, I'm now flipping through the pages and I'm like, wait a minute, I can get uh, Deadpool miniatures that look really cool and wait a minute there's a new transformers generation box with the top wait a minute there's cobra commander from gi Jim. and i can't <laughs> stop looking at all the cool stuff i can get from hasbro pro if i like you know uh action figures and such so i apologize for that but uh i hadn't even seen that site before so Old man um yeah Logan. so i i think cool. it's i think it's cool i it's it's funny because i really wanted to play the legend of drist game that i got um mm-hmm. a long time ago and I think me and my wife played it once and I've tried to get other people to play it, but nobody's really interested. And since we're all the people that would be interested in it also play D and D with me, we just play D and D for the most yeah. part. Yeah. Um, well, Tomb Annihilation it was, was the same. it was fun for the minis. And I ended up using yeah. all of the minis that came with that game <laughs> for regular D and D. So, yeah. uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's kind of funny. I have these games and I'm like, I've, I've actually played it once so yeah i've almost bought the tomb of annihilation version of the game you're talking about mm-hmm. board game because i thought well i could get people to play it but i never could find anybody that wanted to play board games i can find them like role-playing games. yeah so then i bought it on steam because you could play it on steam as yeah, a computer a, a game and so i got the idea of what it was like but it still felt like it'd be fun as a board game with a group of four or five people doing stuff so i still would like to experience it in that version even though i played the electronic version by myself to see it kind of a little bit how it worked I still wouldn't mind playing that. I always thought that'd be a good Gen Con at the hotel after you've been gone through a great day of playing games and shopping and meeting up with friends and then 
get some beers out and then put it out on the hotel floor and then just, you know, have four or five people yeah. play till the night, till the night goes by. So good stuff. Uh, yeah. So that is uh, Adventure Begins. Uh, should mm -hmm. be fun. Um, I think it comes out probably Christmas season. So October, um, I'm guessing. Uh, Chris Perkins is tweeting little tidbits to get excited for uh, Icewind Dale, Rime of the Frostmaiden. And uh, I'm all, I put this in because it was just too hilarious. Uh, there's a new scroll, a new magic spell in mm -hmm. uh, Rime of the Frostmaiden called Scroll of Tarrasque Summoning. Uh, and it, it is a legendary scroll, and you use an action to read the scroll, which causes a Tarrasque to appear in an unoccupied space you can see within one mile of you. And then the Tarrasque will disappear when it drops to zero hit points, and it is hostile to all creatures other than itself. So mm -hmm. it's like a nuke for Dungeons and Dragons. It's yeah. just kind of crazy. And how are you going to get it to drop to zero? <laughs> well, yeah, I, it's just kind of, I don't know. And then it just <laughs> lives forever. It's interesting that it doesn't have a time limit. You would think that it would last like a week maybe or something. Because mm -hmm. like, ugh. But uh, I don't know. I've never fought a Tarrasque. I've never used no. one as a dungeon master. I I know it's like the monster of monsters. That's but, an in-game uh, boss right yeah. there for sure. Yeah. But it also is very slow. And so I don't know. Anyway, uh, so that that is a little bit of tidbit. Uh, I'm really I'm I like Chris Perkins when he writes adventures a lot, and uh, he didn't work on uh, Descent into Avernus. I don't think, um, or at least not as much. You because he was focused on that. He was yeah. focused on that starter set that they did, mm -hmm. and apparently that one is really good. And yeah. Descent into Avernus is not a bad adventure, but I remember reading it and I was like, uh, it's not for me. But like I think mm -hmm. back to the ones that Chris did work on, like Tomb of Annihilation great adventure really like that yeah. one and so i i'm super excited for rhyme of the frost maiden i think it's going to be cool and yeah, I'm he seems trying to excited decide. about it yeah um he, you can tell he likes the idea he keeps referencing that you know it was john carpenter's the thing was inspiring yeah. it they wanted another horror based kind of mm -hmm. thing they wanted the environment to be a big factor and i just you can tell he really put a lot of thought into it and i think yeah. that makes it a, that'll make it a good adventure for sure uh yeah um Dragon Plus video. Our uh, friends, uh, yeah. Jeremy Crawford and someone that I don't remember. Bart Carroll. Yes, He's Bart the Carroll. editor of Dragon Plus. Yeah. Um, they were talking about the feats that we talked about last week, um, maybe mm -hmm. the week before. Uh, they were the, the Unearthed Arcana feats that kind of let you dip into other subclasses. Uh, so, I don't know. Talk about feats. You watched the video, I assume. I skimmed it. <laughs> I watched a good portion of it. I've not gotten through all of it. I always like to point them out because if you ever want to understand their insight into feats, you can go and watch the videos of where they talk about their feats or the classes they're making or the spells they're making mm. and everything. You kind of see where they're coming from. So you have this idea of even if they don't hit the mark that they were trying for, you can at least understand what they were, their thought process yeah, was. Yeah. And the thing that came out of it was towards the beginning of it that I thought, and both of us kind of wrote down the same note when we looked at it, was there was an interesting comment by jeremy that said the stats show that most people play this game without using feats so they don't have never made it mandatory because most players don't use them in the first place and i thought that was interesting because it feels like every player i play with loves feats and wants feats on their deck. yeah um, and they were talking about how when they create a feat it's got to be something that's enticing enough to to get you not to take the ability score increase because the ability score increase truly is in this edition a powerful increase every single time. It's very mm -hmm. rarely not. 
something that's significant because the way the ability scores happen and the very few chances you get pluses from anything, ability scores have a big impact on fifth edition. So if a you're going to take a feat over that, yeah, yeah, I would, I would argue like, it, yeah. yeah, there's a reason that people uh, only take the stats because yeah. to sacrifice those stats, like you, unless you're rolling stats, the only reason that my uh, artificer, not artificer, uh, my Warforged Eldritch Knight took feats is because I rolled really well with really my stats. Well. Yeah. And like uh, when you're that capped out, it's kind of like, actually, it's way better if I do this thing. Uh, mm -hmm. but yeah, I don't know if you're playing with a standard array, like you're, I don't know that, that hit point increase from getting your con to another plus two to, to constitution. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Trying to yeah. get a plus five on anything in your stats is a huge boon over something that the feat's going to give you typically. Yeah. And really, I think you see it in the, there's a couple classes that give you extra feats in the line or extra chances for, um, ability score increases where if you're a wizard or a sorcerer or something, you're getting so few of those there's no way you can waste them typically on feats at a point unless you rolled well. Um, and then most people, it feels like the games I've been playing in have stuck to their guns about rolling, you know, 46 drop one or only use standard array or use maybe use a point by, but even with a point by, you can't get astronomical stats. I have not seen like back in the day, I remember everybody bringing their character sheet and somehow everybody had two or three 18s already, you know, type thing. Whereas I don't see that hardly at all anymore. I think people are really sticking to the guns of the dice that they roll. So you've got a lot of sevens and eights and nines that people have to work around and maybe some 13s and 14s and 15s. Maybe you, you've got lucky enough to roll a 17 or an 18, but I haven't rolled one in a while. I think 17 has been the highest I've rolled for my characters in the last couple of times. So yeah, I think it's really interesting. Um, but I love what they talked about is feats and multi-classing. They look as the same thing and they look at it as a way to take these characters into another level, but take them into different directions to play around with character concepts that they couldn't go if they stuck right in their class, right? If, yeah. they, if they had to stay with what the class gives them, there's some variety there, but it's, it's, it is kind of narrowed, right? But if you really want to open that up, then that's where feats or multi-classing come in and let you do that kind of thing. So they didn't make those things um, automatic. And they do know that mo a lot of people can get paralyzed by a lot of choice. So if feats were mandatory in the game, like if during character like creation Pathfinder, you had to you, pick a you feat. You choose feats, yeah. Pathfinder yeah, second you had to edition, pick two yeah. feats out of a list of 100 of them. Yeah. That's another big thing for a brand new player who has no idea what's going on in the game to sit and think, well, now i got to make two decisions that I have no idea what they're going to yeah. do. Um, so it's just so no, another it's, thing to add on top. Yeah, I think, and I, I wonder if uh, these Unearthed Arcana feats are going to be part of, uh, let's throw away the old system. And you either get feats at first level and eighth level, like at a certain amount of time, or if it's one of those things like, uh, and especially these multi-class feats, like I'm thinking of the, the Eldritch, uh, not Eldritch, uh, the Warlock one where you can get some Warlock uh, invocations. Invocations. Um, that seems very story driven. So mm -hmm. in our game, if I'm level five and it's like, no, like through the story, my fighter made a pact with something then the dm could just give me that feat rather than being like now if you want to you can take levels in in uh in warlock and it's like well i don't really want to take levels in warlock but this way you could still be a fighter but you get this extra stuff and i wonder if that's how feats are going to change where it's like okay during your downtime 
you're now level 10 during your downtime you guys can have some kind of uh like what are you doing and it's like i want to do this i want to do this and so okay you get the cooking feat you get the magic initiate feat you get this uh and i like that idea of feats being story driven as opposed to you know you just get it at level eight because why not mm -hmm. uh and i wonder if that's kind of a direction that they're going to go so i don't know that's that's my so story. Hi. That's I'm what Jordan. I liked about it. But then they dive into the different feats, and you can you can get a few more pieces of information from that. And I think it's a good video to watch. I'm I'm always impressed. Just like you're saying, we love the adventures that we know Chris Perkins writes. I love listening to Jeremy Crawford talk about Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. I love the way his mind thinks. I love the way he articulates the ideas. I'm just a huge fan of listening to him talk about why they do something or how they do something. It just fascinates me. So if you're also a fan of that, definitely check that video out because we haven't really gotten a lot of other videos from them. It's clear everybody's working from home. Yeah. Their online presence went way down since COVID. If you go to their channel, they've got four or five different live games running, um, but you're not seeing the the big groupings of videos that they used to have back when everybody's in the studio and they're doing all kinds of stuff. And uh, it feels like they've pulled back from that a little bit. So anytime we get a video from them, it's, it's nice. So I like, yeah. I like to go check it out. But, uh, and the feats were cool. I mean, I, I know some of our players were looking at some of those feats thinking, Hey, I, I wouldn't mind trying some of them out. Um, I didn't see any that I immediately thought I, I wanted on my character. Cause I went with a, I went with a feated character this time. Most of the time I don't, you didn't go with a finned um, character or a fetid like a one feated? with fins you went with feet fins okay. yeah yeah, yeah. armed care i went with an oh armed an arm oh oh, oh. Feet. sorry i was <laughs> you had to get the pun in there yeah. dad jokes dad jokes all these time <laughs> but uh i did take sharpshooter so i have a character that's based heavily around this cool feet that is pretty powerful for the character Whereas most of the time I'm not taking those, um, but it's interesting. Or I haven't multi-classed yet either. I haven't really played a multi-class in any of the campaigns. One of these times I'm going to unleash it on our Australian Dungeon Master Danimal, and I'm going to do some crazy, like, I'm going to take two levels in every class or something stupid at some point. What <laughs> three is, levels uh, in everything. Yeah. The, the Puffin <laughs> Forest guy, Yeah, <laughs> he, he has a great video where he made a character called Absurd that is absurd. And yeah. <laughs> uh, he took one level in every class, and it was so funny. Yes. So funny. Yes, that would be um, great. So when he kills me off, because he, he's done a good job of it trying to kill us off so far. Um, but we'll talk about that in, later in the show when we get to our games and stuff. So. Go uh, watch it. Yeah. Um, Gen Con is soon, Gen but Con. it is online. Uh, yeah. Not this weekend, but next weekend, I think, is Gen Con, right? My August first or Gen something? Con. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it was supposed to be at the end of July, beginning of August, and I am not participating. Uh, I, I just have too much going on, really, to dedicate some Ooh. online stuff. But I didn't know if you were, and I was going to ask you. Like, are you doing any I'm... games? Are you signed up Let, for anything? Let's go through the story here. This is story time with Lucian about oh. Gen Con online. So few weeks ago you get the email that says hey we're still doing gen con online we're going to put our big thing up you can sign up yes the sounds great i do all the stuff i get my free ticket and then I, I get on there and i create my wish list of all these games that i'm like wait a minute i'm playing from my house right so think of this normally when you're at gen con you plan your day around well if i take something in the morning that's three or four hours i got to get something to eat because then i'm gonna do another four hour thing mm -hmm. and then i might do another four hour thing but then i need to go back to the hotel because that's a lot of time I, I might be able to get three games in if they're four hour stretches but here i'm thinking wait a minute i'm at home i could just get up go come back do whatever i need to do i can fit it all in so i filled my wish list up right 
but you fill it up before the day comes when they start to fill the orders of all these people that want to get their tickets and you're just in a pool and you might get them depending on how you're processed or not. And that's the bad thing that's always been about Gen Con because there's so many people that want to play in these games. Well, the day that you were supposed to go push the button to say process my wish list was a day that Lucian was training clients for his fantastic new job that he had and he couldn't get done until 5 p.m is when he went to go try to push the button and got in none of the games from his wish list oh. those are all filled so now i am going to pivot i took the days off actually i still took the days off for gen con uh, wednesday thursday friday saturday sunday i'm going to pivot and try to play board games online if i can and get into things day of instead of trying to sign up for them ahead of time like I always do at Gen Con. So mm -hmm. that's my story. If you're ever going to do those things, fill out your wish list and make sure whatever the day is, they're going to process that you're up early in the morning or whenever it's about to start. So you can hit your button and you can be one of those lucky people that get a seat at a really cool RPG game. Because I had stuff for, I was going to play um, some Starfinder. I was going to play some Pathfinder. I was going to play some... Um, uh, kids on bikes there was a there was a game i was gonna jump in on that one i was gonna try to get on a, a fall of delta green which was an rpg i got that i wanted to play i was gonna get an overlight rpg because i hadn't played it yet but i've been in the kickstarter and i wanted to see how it worked didn't get in any of those so <laughs> sad Rough, days Rough. for for lucian but i'm gonna try to find stuff so hopefully i can find that I didn't see any Numenera stuff out there, so I don't know if Monty Cook put their stuff out there, if they're even going to do it. I'm going to have to take a look and go uh, back. I bet a lot of people are just like, no. We're not doing it. Like, yeah, I'm sure. I don't know. Yeah. It's that, And that's hard for a lot of those companies because they make – I mean, like, it's like Christmas. You make so much yeah. money at Gen Con. That was like, the thing I was looking – when I – my sadness comes from walking through that hall like a kid in a candy shop and thinking, oh, look at that RPG. Oh, look at that RPG. Oh, look at this box set of something. I want this and I want that. And I had I had a huge budget to go this year. <laughs> I've been socking money away because the job's been doing good. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get to go buy all this stuff. Nope, I'm not going to be able to walk any of those things. So I don't know how they're going to advertise all the new games. Because that hall is usually filled with new product, not just stuff that came from before. I would say three quarters of that stuff, somebody's showing something they've never shown before. It was new yeah. stuff that they're they're putting out right now. Where are we going to find all that stuff right now? I don't know where you even go look to find all the stuff. Fantasy. I mean, I guess you go to Fantasy Flight's website, but usually you walk through there and you've never even heard of the company. And you're just like, oh my God, they've got some really cool game here. I've never even heard of who they yeah. are. So how do I find them this year? Or I just well, you year, advertise on YouTube. So contact Jordan with a silent PH in the middle at gmail.com and he will, uh, I'll, I'll advertise for your company. It'll be great. Yeah, um, yeah. send me all your games and I'll put all it. the games. <laughs> I will play the ones I enjoy. I like that. Uh, so. Yeah. Um, what so else is going I will on be playing. I assume we're going to have a show next week on Saturday. Yeah, but I'm taking Wednesday through off and I probably I don't know if I'll stream stuff, but I'll definitely be able to talk about it next week on our Saturday show live from Gen Con online. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and tell you all about all the cool stuff I've been doing if I was able to find anything cool to do. Awesome. So. <laughs> awesome. Possum. Uh, OK, what else is Last going on? One. Mr. Uh, Matt. Oh, there was a really good Matt Coville video yeah. about. Um, where executive power comes from. He uses the example of the Black Panther movie to describe it. And it's in a way to sh 
if you're trying, it's the fourth and last video in his diplomacy and um, uh, it's the running building. the game series, but yeah, yeah, running games, yeah, because he did. He said he was doing four of the ones that have to do with you know making your bringing politics and intrigue into your game. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was the last one for that, but it was really well put together. I loved listening to it. It was it was quintessential Matt Coville for me, who I'm a huge fan. So I may be biased. So if, if you're not a big fan, maybe maybe you're like, ah, it's just an okay video. But for me, I was just like, this is really good. And I loved it. And I love, don't watch it, I guess, if you have not watched Black Panther, because I guess there's some spoilers in there. But maybe you should watch Black Panther before you go watch it. I, did, I watched it two or three times at this point. <laughs> um, really good. I recommend going. And I like the idea of if you want to put politics in your game, the way he breaks down how power works and the things you should be thinking about as a dungeon master to, even if your players don't think about that, having yourself think about it makes your game feel a little bit deeper and a little bit more connected, which I liked. So cool. That was good. I so then I think that's our news. Unless you found anything else to no. talk about. No, I was just really excited about free RPG day. Bar, 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 bar. <laughs> Super uh, which leads us to Bardic Inspiration, um, which uh, we need to talk. Uh, I don't know if you were in the live show chat. I did. And while you said it, Bardic Inspiration, I clicked the button and everybody just heard the first one. All right. <laughs> while yes. You said that. So uh, Taylor, a wonderful fan of the show, um, they made us some MP3s and we have three of them. And yeah. so I'm going to work this into something else, but it was it was very nice of them. Uh, and so the first one goes like this. Now, on YouTube, you hear it. <laughs> yeah, so it's on YouTube and it's on the podcast. I'll play uh, the second. second. You just heard the first one. I already played that one before. But when he our says second the one, second one, Bardic I'll Inspiration. <laughs> I, like, I like number two. And then number three is Bardic Inspiration. Actually, three might be my favorite. Those are really good. I think I like so, one. I think one was my favorite. In oh, we'll, we'll talk. Good job, we'll Taylor. But anyway, thank you so much, Taylor. Uh, these are great. Uh, very excited to, to work them into the show. Um, <laughs> we're going to have to coordinate Lucian and I because Lucian streams yeah. to Twitch on his end and I stream to YouTube on my end. So our yeah. audio is not synced up uh, in that way. And I, I think it would be, no, if I, if I, yeah, if I broadcast my desktop audio through my microphone... So you, that would just be weird. So I don't think. No, no, we just have to key off when you're saying. We'll to, yeah. I got um, it right the second time. But uh, per usual, uh, 10 minutes before the show started, I tried to create a bardic inspiration because I didn't have one. Uh, mm -hmm. And I was thinking a lot about uh, campaign settings. And I was thinking about unique races for those campaign settings. So mm -hmm. uh, the big one, Eberron, you have Warforged. Warforged yeah, was like a big, like, oh, you can be like a, a robot, like a magical, that's kind of crazy. And then uh, Dark Sun had the Thrycreen, which were these like mm. ant-like insectoid creatures, yeah. like, oh, that's kind of crazy. Uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics Peril of the Purple Planet has um, creatures that are native to the Purple Planet that you can play that are like Ooh. more of these weird tribal things. And, and so anyway, uh, it got me thinking, if you're making a homebrew world, which I'm mm -hmm. trying to do and a bunch of other stuff, does your world does it is it almost like required to have a unique race to be 
a cool, unique world. Because, like, when I think of Warforged, I think of Eberron. But when I think of uh, Wildmount and Matt Mercer, there's not something in there that I'm just like, oh, that is, like, Critical Role. Like, you know, because he's kind of adopted all these other races into that. Um, mm -hmm. Even even Eberron has its custom classes. Uh, and Dark Sun handles magic a lot different. So... Yeah. I don't know. Like, how do you how do you do that? Like, uh, does your does your homebrew require a unique race? And then I was hoping that maybe we could come back and or you know, talk back and forth and come up with uh, an idea for a unique race. Like, how do you even where do you start when you're trying to do that? Thoughts, opinions. I want to do it. Yeah. Like, I <laughs> in my world, I wanted uh, I did this a little bit because I wanted mine to be a little bit unique. And though my players have only touched base on it slightly. I brought in a bear-like race. It was like a bear folk. Um, and I like the idea of just because like we have, you know, we have cat folk and bird folk and we have all these lizard folk and we have lots of these things that already are good examples of that. But I just thought we don't have a really good bear guy. Like mm -hmm. some people want to play bears. That just sounds fun and cool. And uh, so I brought that in. And from the place that person's at, this is spoilers for anybody that's in my uh, campaign when I get back to running it. <laughs> the place that person comes from actually has lots of unique races. Because what I wanted to do is have an old world that had the Forgotten Realms stuff, but then the new world that was completely different from forgotten realms on this other continent so it was almost like it would be like when um people sailed across the ocean and they met you know aztecs or mayans was a very very different culture than eastern europe europe or even africa or even mm. you know western europe or, or china or india or in those places the it was so different that the persons when they met each other looked at each other like we look so different from each other it's crazy so i wanted that same kind of um, feeling that they're coming from something they know, forgotten realms, and they understand, you know, tieflings and and elves and dwarves and cool stuff. And then this continent of, oh my God, what is all of this stuff going on that we've never seen before? And it's all going to have its own kingdoms and and empires and and customs, and it's all going to be all these other things. And they've only seen one little piece of it. Eventually, the campaign will go that way. So I think it's fun. And it's your chance as a dungeon master to add something like that, to use that creativity. I imagine if you make your full-on campaign homebrew world, that's nothing like Forgotten Realms, but you're making your own totally mm. wholesale. Yeah, you got to add something like that in there. There's got to be some, There's got to be a hook to it. Yeah, I just says, I feel like it. It really. Yeah. I don't know. Like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It. It. I guess hook is the great is what you just said. And that's a great way to do it. Like there's gotta be that. And in this setting, you can be a robot like what, you know? And, and I like yeah. that. Um, I also have been toying with the idea of making different races less common or more common. Um, mm -hmm. And for example, I like, I like the idea of uh, there's, you know, fantasy things. We have elves, we have dwarves, but like what if elves were hunted to the point of extinction for some reason in your world? And so, if you're an elf, it's a big deal. Like there are mm -hmm. not a lot of elves um, or, or tieflings are only created 
when somebody makes a pact with something like a fiend. And so all tieflings are humans that have made packs with them on some level. And that's why they have those, you know, innate magical abilities and dark vision. And that's why they have purple skin and horns and things like that. So I, I like that aspect of it's, it's, you made that choice a long time ago, not your parents made that choice and now you're suffering the effects or something. And so there mm -hmm. are 12 tieflings in the world. And it's a big deal that you're a tiefling and you're probably going to want to hide yourself, you know, being yeah. a tiefling. So I don't know. I, I like, but I also was thinking about it. What fantasy races are left? Cause you just said, you're like, there's frog people. There's this there. I mean, we have bullywugs, we have Aarakocra, we have Bert, you know, all these different things. Um, I we guess need more like, dog people. Well, dog we don't people, have enough dog people. Uh, which kind of like, <laughs> yeah, dog people. But also yeah. I was thinking like, are we going to have tree people? Like, are you going to be like an yeah. ent thing creature, you know? And uh, it made me think of uh, mutant, claw, mutant crawl classics has the plantients, which are the sentient yeah. plants that you play. Uh, yeah. But I don't know. We just don't have a lot of like, how do you, I don't know. And I'm thinking again of Tolkien. There a swarm is a um, race. There's a creature in uh, Tolkien's mythology called a woes, I think. And they're just mm -hmm. like little short tree dwarf looking people, but they are mm -hmm. hairless, I believe. And they're just kind of running around. So, I think we should have sentient ooze people. That we sentient oozes. Yeah. Like, you no, could play yeah, a, a swarm would be interesting. Like you're a swarm. I am literally yeah. one million ants. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I have a million tiny brains all working mm -hmm. together. Five plus five is nine. You take damage. No, that's the Rick and Morty where you like you take damage from. Uh, yeah. There was a there was a, a hero in Rick and Morty called like Million Ants or something, and he was just yeah. a guy. It's that funny was a you said that ants. because I watched the very first Rick and Morty episode I've ever seen ever in my life, season one, episode one, yesterday. As my wife, I was having lunch and my wife was working behind me. And she's like, "What is that annoying show you're watching?" I'm like, "It's Rick and Morty. Everybody says it's great." She's like, "It sounds really annoying." I'm like. Maybe it gets better after episode one. I don't know. <laughs> you, uh, yeah, you gotta get, you gotta get through episode one, and then I really think it kicks off. I did yeah. not like it as a, I was like, "What is this show?" But what it's very smart. It's very fun. Yeah. Um, Burnbright apparently has a uh, swarm race, so there you go. Yeah. Or crystal crystalline people, people yeah. made of lights, certain colored lights, maybe, or oh, they can manifest lights and shadows. Appearance. We got too many cat, cat people as it is. We got light oh. Leonids. We've got Tabaxi at this point. What else do we got? We got you need, yeah, you people. need like a you need a Felix person. Maybe Felix he's person. just like a unique NPC in every game, and he's unkillable because he's just so adorable. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Shifters that was my bardic inspiration. Not really inspired, but it just got me thinking about like. Man, and the, the obvious thing for a race is to take something and make it humanoid. And so you're like, let's make a humanoid frog. Let's make a humanoid bear, mm -hmm. you know, like you said. Uh, and I don't know. I, I was wondering if that's just like tapped out, but who knows? The Thrycreen were really unique to me. I yeah, think. like a praying so, mantis kind of yeah. creature almost. Yeah. So. But anyway, uh, Mr. Lucian, what was your bardic inspiration? I should have played it. Number two. Everybody it. was voting on number two. Yeah, I just played number two again. <laughs> so all right, that's my bardic inspiration. Uh, mine was a little bit late too, but I've been I've been kicking around this idea, um, and I've tried it once in one of my campaigns. But I thought I would put it out there: the idea of combining two RPGs that you really enjoy together. So okay. the idea would be 
you have a character and you could go at it a couple of different ways. You could play, you could pick one rule set, but then you could grab the, the world from two different RPGs that you like. And you kind of have some crossover, whether it's portal doors or they smash into each other. And now there's this, this area along a border that all of a sudden the two worlds have, have combined and your, your adventure is about the people on both sides dealing with this new border of once I walk over, now I'm in Forgotten Realms, but when I walk over here, I'm in Numenera, right? So if those are my two, two really fun games that I want to smash together. But I thought the other way you could do it, even more cool, but maybe a little bit more work for you dungeon masters out there, is that you would have your character for your Forgotten Realm and another world has smashed into it. And when those characters move into the other world, they actually have characters that based on those rules and you use those rules. So you use the rules of the other game when they're in those lands and you have in your story thread of what your, your campaign's about reasons for them to go back and forth. And so they're constantly using one character sheet or the other. They're diff using different rules for one thing or the other. So you're getting some real different gameplay out of certain sessions, depending on where they decide to go. They're like, well, we're in, we're in water deep right now, but we know we need to travel down to where uh, Daggerford used to be. But now that's where the new Numenera town of Silverspire is or whatever. And now that's a whole new world, but we've got to go down there to do something because we're looking for an artifact or we're looking for an escaped convict or we're, we're looking for somebody who stole something from us and they went there. So now we got to go there. So this idea that you could have a couple of different characters in the campaign and you're playing them and the rules of the world change based on location. So depending on where you're going and they could plan for it. So it wouldn't be, thrown upon them they could plan and say okay we know we've got to go here we know it's a Numenera world we know we should take some of this stuff with us or can you take things with you do items move across or do can spells still sort of work or is there a way to bring in and then you can kind of play around with are they able to meld some of their stuff together in both worlds maybe they're the only people that can do that and that's why they're part of the campaign. So and the reason I thought it was interesting is because a lot of times dungeon masters we have so many ideas but we also come across so many other RPGs that we can't ever convince our players to also play. So this might be a good chance to introduce them in small parts that if they stumble into across the barrier into another town or through a door all of a sudden they're in this and you can give them a little taste of it but they can still go back through the door. It's not it's not like so much that we've stopped playing this and we're only playing the other one. It's you get as much as you want. So the players get the chance to, to kind of go between the different worlds that they want. Now, the one I did was I call it my black door campaign as an experiment. And under silvery moon, I had said where they had put the portals because there's a lot of um, circle portals that you can find in a lot of the different adventures that let you port around sword coast in uh, strong Keys thunder. They talk about it. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be cool if under the, under the school of magic in silvery moon, they just had this tunnel and it was all these doors that led to these circles, but they created one that went to a world they'd never seen before. And I got to go to a Warhammer world because I love Warhammer fantasy mm -hmm. a lot. So I sent my players into the Warhammer fantasy and they got to fight Skaven and rat ogres and stuff. And it was totally different things going on, totally different group. And then they came back and told the school about, this is what we found when we went there. Uh, mm -hmm. And there was a whole storyline about how it happened, how the whole rift had happened, how the two worlds have now been connected, and what the danger is if either world figures out that there's a way to get from one to the other, that could be dangerous for each world. So that was the whole campaign's premise. And uh, 
And then the other one was there was a third door I put in at the very end of it, which was a zombie filled world, just a world just overrun millions of zombies everywhere. And what would that be like as a world that they went in through and they found out and they were exploring too. So it was just an interesting idea. I wonder if what other people could would do with that if they took it and run ran with it. What worlds would they want to try to combine? What worlds would it be fun for their players to dip into a little bit and then come back? And you know, would you keep one system or would you try to play around with both systems? I like the idea that the worlds are different enough that maybe some of the physics are are different. So maybe magic doesn't work as well, or maybe technology doesn't work as well. If you try to bring a gun back or something, or you, know, you can yeah, play around I, with some of that stuff. I like that idea too. Keeping the system separate seems problematic though. Um, yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, and I'm just going to use like D and D and Numenera. Cause that's what I'm thinking of, but like you have mm -hmm. a, a cipher or an artifact or something in Numenera that specifically does this the minute you bring it over to a different system, you have to figure out, well, now that we're in D&D, this thing has to do like 5d6 worth of cold damage or something. And we're going to have mm -hmm. to give it a saving throw. And as a DM, you can come up with that on the fly, but I think your players are going to want to know, like, how do my things work? Like, my sword is magic, and it does 2d8 radiant damage here in the Forgotten Realms, but when I go to Numenera, like, what does it do? Uh, because yeah. damage is different in Numenera and we only roll a D20 in Numenera. So uh, it, I don't know. It's, I think if you really wanted to make it work, you just need to play the strange because mm -hmm. that is well, a yeah, system that is, that is <laughs> cipher where you are like, oh, now we're doing yeah. superhero worlds and now we're in fantasy and now we're in this and you're hopping from mm -hmm. those different worlds as the same character. So it's been done as like, yeah, well, it's a not, full not game. your idea, but the idea of genre hopping is present. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you want to like mash up two games. And I think that's really cool. Uh, I also like the idea of like magic just works differently in these zones. That could be mm -hmm. a lot of fun. Um, not even mashing two systems together, just anti magic fields and wild magic zones and things like that. I like that a lot. Uh, but well, yeah, I don't know. I thought it's kind of interesting. Conversion would work is because many of us, you included, will take second or third edition adventures. Yeah. and want to play them in fifth edition. So you are converting things yeah. and thinking ahead of time about, well, wait a minute, in this adventure of third edition, this was a something weapon, yeah. but now it needs to do this thing, which is different than how they handle it in fifth edition. Or So some of us have kind of, and we've done some of that conversion stuff. So that's what made me think, well, maybe, maybe we would be willing to do some of that weird conversion thought process only if you liked it. Like you would not want to do this. If, if you think about having to convert this thing to make it work and this other thing seems tedious to you, you're right. This is not the setting for you at all. But if, if your brain goes, well, wait a minute, that would be kind of fun to figure out if it did this in fourth edition, the adventure I grabbed it from, and now I'm using it in fifth edition. What does that really mean? What does it really do? Um, and you like doing those kinds of things. I did it with an AD&D adventure I put in Revenor, which was um, really fun, but it was really hard to look at what AD&D creatures and what they were equivalent to, because I brought in a couple of creatures that they have not brought forward into 5e, so I had to convert those creatures over. And the stat blocks are nothing like a 5e stat block as what an AD&D was. Third edition and fourth edition is probably not as hard, to convert but definitely ad and d was was trickier because you're back into thaco and you're back into all that stuff and you're trying to no route of seven is parts is an ad and d yeah. adventure and i am yeah. i'm you're converting you know, left and right like uh <laughs> the the rod i when it's fully assembled i think it's a plus five quarter staff well there's no plus yeah. five in D D um 
5e. So uh-huh. I the max that any weapon is is plus three. And so I'm trying mm-hmm. to augment like, well, the spells are the same, but like they work differently. And yeah, it's it's been a challenge, but it's it's also fun. Like that's a fun yeah, thing. If you like them, it. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Choose to do it if you like it. So that was my bardic inspiration. That was uh, a pretty Amy- big one, but it was just, it was a way to give, because sometimes dungeon masters, your players are most of the time happy to continue playing in the same system, the same world for 20 years. And some dungeon masters, if you're like me, want to do that, but they also want to branch out and try some other things too. Like they have some other interests besides just running the same campaign, the same world for 20 years. Yeah. And I'm that person. I know there are other DMs that love one world long time, but I'm like, I want to jump around and play around. I want to play with some of these other things. There's so many good games out there that I want to try and, and see the cool things about them. How can I get them into my, in the time that we have to game? Yeah, it reminds me of a uh, something I've been wanting to do, which is play through the changes in the Forgotten Realms via the games. So uh, mm. when you are playing AD&D and you're mm-hmm. moving on to third edition, play through those storylines that changed how thieves worked and changed how this worked because magic was changed. And then when uh, the Sundering hits or, or the Spell Plague, you change your character that was a, a ninth level wizard in 3.5, but is now this type of wizard in fourth edition. And they have to like, how do I use magic again? And like, yeah. it would be fun to play through that. And then the change again to fifth edition because yeah. and there have a were world events. Why. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. were world events that change that so anyway that no it's interesting um i like it i i don't think i will do that but uh (laughs) it's it's an interesting interesting topic of conversation (laughs) speaking of topic of conversations great segue jordan uh what's happening in your games of dungeons and dragons what are you playing what are you running we're deep into we're not deep we're in the first level of dungeon of the man that's right on top that's not deep Um, at all we found out some possible information that we don't know if it's true or not, but there's at least 20 plus levels. Wow. We can't wait to explore more of these. Um, the first level we've explored has been pretty big. Um, I won't spoil it for anybody else that's playing, but it is interesting to see how they designed this and how they thought about why creatures are here, why the things are here, why things are happening the way they do. Um, who, who are you going to bump into in these early levels and why. Um, and I like that I'm playing my Aarakocra fighter, arcane archer, which has been really fun. Um, it's doing a ton of damage, which I'm sure my dungeon master is going to make me pay for soon um, <laughs> because it's just a lot. And uh, we've gotten some big scraps. We've gotten into some little scraps. Um, so it's been pretty good. I've been, I'm enjoying it. I'm a huge dungeon crawl person. I can dungeon crawl for the, the next 20 years and be happy. I am not a person who needs a huge sweeping spanning Game of Thrones storyline or going from continent to continent to continent. I love a good old deep, dark dungeon dive to, to play the games and that's my favorite type. So I'm having a good time. Um, nobody died yet, so that's good. Um, I do have some ideas in case my character does die. He doesn't have night vision, so it is interesting we have two characters that don't and then three characters that do. So there's that combination of trying to figure out, well, how are we going to tackle when some of us can't see and some of us can? And people are moving around that have the light source, but carry I'm using torch. a bow. So it's not like I can carry a torch, <laughs> my second hand. Right, right. So I got to figure Fire out a light arrows. spell at something. Like, Fire arrows yeah. would be good. Yeah, yeah, that would be good. So we'll see. And um, 
we I did get a magic bow off of some downtime, which was nice. And hopefully eventually we get some more downtime and I'm gonna have to figure out how to use that. And the other thing that I wanna to try to do is I wanna give our dungeon master a chance to build a magic item that's kind of cool, right? Cause you, we, me and you have talked about that. You love building magic items, yeah. but these unique things that are different than just, oh, here's your plus one, this, or your, or your potion of this, or the things coming straight out of the dungeon master's guide. They're, they're cool magic items, but it's also fun as a dungeon master to go out and build something that's, you know, this is the, the, the last belt of the, the Dwarven Kings, you know, or this is the, you know, um, ring of Thess, Thestistle, and it does this thing, you know, you can build whatever you want. Yeah, even, um, even giving it useless magical effects. Like, you have a yeah. plus one sword, but whenever a bell is rung within 30 feet of the sword, it responds back with another bell, like it's talking to it. You know, and mm -hmm. you can do real, and then what? I mean, okay, this is a magic sword, but like, why? Why make a sword like that? And you can give it a cool history, and maybe mm -hmm. it has uh, the soul of a chanting monk on the inside or something. Mm -hmm. But like, I I like that a lot. Uh, that's yeah. why I like creating magic items because, yeah, stat wise, you want a plus one weapon, but like that could it could be so much cooler, and and especially if yeah. magic is rare in your world, then the reason for this magic item is kind of in, important. Or, or the so. idea too of an item that has several properties, but they only become apparent later on in levels. So the yeah. longer you've had it or the longer Wild you've Wild Mount has that. It. The the longer that you're attuned to it and it's up to the DM's discretion, then this magic item kind of levels up. And, and we yeah. have one of those, uh, there's like a dagger that one of my uh, party members has that's kind of cool. Yeah, so I think that'd be pretty fun. So that's what we were doing in Dungeons and Dragons. I'm getting the itch to uh, Dungeon Master once again. I'm getting a good handle on my new job. So I'm thinking probably within the next month or two, I kick off my campaigns again and I get to back to being awesome. the actual DM, which is good. Gonna so. run uh, Jordan through Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. Okay, I, yeah, I like that. So yeah, I think so. And right. I can't wait to use that spell on you, the Tarask scroll. No, no, that's, <laughs> I'll have the spell. Yeah, that's oh, not a gotcha. player. That's a player thing. Yeah. I thought it was a DM. No, 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 no. you're wrong. You're that. wrong. Uh, <laughs> gotcha. Wrong again. Typical Lucian. Heyo. <laughs> yeah. So what did Jordan do in Dungeons and Dragons while he was unpacking boxes? Nothing. Uh, I've just been unpacking <laughs> boxes. We were gonna play last weekend, but then uh, July is just a busy month, and, oh, and everyone's no, like, "No, stop." I'm going to run you through that 100 level campaign that you were posting in your video. Oh, that's yeah. what I run you through. Yeah. No, that's why I was talking about uh I wanted to talk about older adventures cuz I made that video. If you didn't see, I made a fun video yeah. about um the highest level campaign uh for Dungeons and Dragons ever written and it's for level 100 characters. Technically, it's for level 18 to 100, to 100. characters yeah. because after 20ish, most of the classes in AD&D could continue to level, but it had very uh, back, not backwards, but it had very little return. You get like mm -hmm. maybe a little more hit points or maybe some more magic items from the adventure that you were in. Uh, mm -hmm. But I like the concept of it, like a level 100 adventure. And it's really cool. You get to go to the abyss, you fight Orcus, Tiamat. It's like, I mean, it's the most end game of end games that I've seen in a long time. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's a Forgotten Realms adventure. It ties back to the realms. It's kind of cool. Uh, so you should check out that video, but, uh, yeah, you should run us through that. Cause that's another old one that I was like, man, maybe I should run this when, like when rod of seven parts is done, my characters are going to be, you know, 15, 16th level. And that could be a good starting point to do. Like you guys got to go to the abyss and steal the wand of Orcus. <laughs> it could be kind of fun. Um, but no, I, we were going to play last week, but people are, are, uh, 
camping and lots of other stuff because it's July and summer and things like that. So games didn't happen, even though I made time for games. Uh, this week, uh, tonight, I'm going to play my Wild Mount game. And then I believe we're on schedule to play uh, Rod of Seven Parts this upcoming Wednesday. We haven't played in a month. It's been a long time of no Rod that's of Seven Gen Parts. Gen Con Online um, Day One. And that's Gen Con Online Day One. So uh, I'm going to try and prep Rod of Seven Parts tomorrow. Um, using uh, Sly Flourish, he came out with a video a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago. Uh, I just discovered it, though, where he's been using this online resource called Notion.so. And if you go to Notion.so, it's a website. It's a kind of like a wiki database software. I think I'm going to make like a little video about it because I really, really like it. Uh, if you want to check it out, you should go Google it and check it out. But you can also watch me tomorrow morning, uh, 9 a.m. Pacific. I'm going to stream on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Jordan with a PH in the middle. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to use this software to help build up the Rod of Seven Parts and my next campaign. But Lucian, I think you would really like it. I don't know how you prep your stuff, but because you can One build... Note. You can build databases. You can mm -hmm. say, uh, here's my campaign database. And when something new happens, like, oh, they met a new NPC, you create a new entry and it's that name. You give it a tag of NPC and then you write like a description. And then later you can reference that in your notes. So you're like, oh, who is that again? Oh, that's this person who's actually tied to this. It's kind of cool. It's like a, a board with strings, uh, only mm -hmm. text. But anyway, uh, it, it's kind of fun. So, uh, yeah. But I'm excited to play uh, Joshe Menu Menu, my tiefling Manu wizard Manu. extraordinaire. He conjures all sorts of things. Uh, leveled up. I got a couple of new cool spells. I think we're going to have some downtime in a larger city is where we're starting off. So I've got, like, a list of my downtime activities because I want to earn some money so I can start copying new spells in and maybe start a business or mm -hmm. something. It's going to be fun. But, yeah. Sounds fun. Anyway, that's our show. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, boys and girls, hamsters and mice, children of all ages, thank you so much for watching us live, for catching the podcast, and for being awesome. <laughs> uh, we really do appreciate those iTunes reviews, Spotify reviews, anywhere you can review the podcast, you should, and give it five stars and be awesome because uh, it helps other people find the show because uh, we like doing it and we want to expand the audience. Mm -hmm. Anything else before we leave, sir? Nope. Tell us about your Bardic inspirations in the comments and definitely bring your friends next time because we are building a great community here and yeah. we're having tons of fun and we want more and more people if we can get them. Yep. I think we're going to have a special guest next week. Uh, more Maybe. on that later on the Twitters. So uh, follow us on Twitter. And uh, without further ado, I guess we're going to take off. Uh, goodbye, everybody. Bye. Game on. Free RPG day. Go. Woo. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.